You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 267 of the PHP Ugly Podcast. Wait, that's the salary. Is that what I normally say? Yeah. Well, close to it, but... <laughs> this is PHP Ugly, episode 267. We're listening yeah, to you. Well, no. <laughs> I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me is John Congdon. No, we're not all drunk, just one of us. And definitely not the drunk guy, Tom, right up. Good evening. Good evening, Tom. Okay, so, our audio podcast listeners, I apologize. I'm being told there's a lot of echo coming from me. I'm in my new house. There's nothing on the walls anywhere. And okay, there's a lot of echo. So I will in your probably In your do- giant new house that... That I saw a picture of you in your new house, and you look like a small person in your new house. On that giant couch. Oh, no, is that a normal-sized couch? Is that what you're saying? I, Did I mess it, that up? It feels like it's a normal-sized couch for the size of house he's in, and he's just gotten much, much smaller. It's very strange. Yes, your wife is posting admit, a lot of pictures online. Being a big guy... It's fun being on a big couch. It's like, hey, is this how normal people live? Like, like... <laughs> it, it, I'm going to come over and get lost in the cushions. Like, yeah, no, it, it, like looks, cushions. it looks like Eric is wearing dad's suit for the first time, where like his legs don't hang over the edge of the couch. He's just sort of flopping there like, ah, it's so small. It's adorable. Yes. Yes. We got some new furniture when we purchased the new house. So very exciting. It's a very exciting time here in the in the Van Johnson household. Very happy. The fact that you got to move in early is, is exciting. You, and yeah. you're able to move all move all of your the movers and everything up to your stuff in there quickly. The fact that mm-hmm. it's not under a bridge, but it somehow sounds more vacant than under a bridge. <laughs> yes, yes. You guys are absolutely right. The movers are 100% worth the money. I, I, I will never question that ever again. <laughs> now you're kicking yourself for not using them to get out of the other house. Yeah. Well, if he, if he it, could kick himself, weird... he can barely move his legs. Yeah. The weird thing, the weird thing about it is like, like I run, I, you and I run a business. We we run a business. So like mm. giving direction it's like a normal thing for us. I felt like like more of an asshole giving direction today. Like all, all I did was stand around and point at things. Yeah, take that there, take that there, take that there. I'm like, man, I am a dick. Is this how I think I work? Did you not know <laughs> so, that before? Maybe that's what that private Slack channel is all about. <laughs> or don't join. <laughs> oh, you weren't supposed to see that. Damn it. <laughs> I had that hidden. Forgot you're an admin. You can see everything. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, getting in the new house, uh, got the keys early, so that was super exciting, and just been moving. And it's crazy thinking about, like, moving out. I thought about this when I moved out of the house that we sold, and, you know, we packed everything up, and we had to put it in storage and stuff. But the concept of the fact that we basically touched everything we own, like, everything we own in the world we touched in that time period and now we're kind of doing it again and we have too much shit i mean that's <laughs> <laughs> take take the hit take the time and get rid of it if it start, does not bring start you with joy, the yeah start with the children start with the kids yeah start grab them the by the grab them by the shoulders and then just escort them out the front door <laughs> yeah 
It's been it's been a busy couple. It's been a busy month to be completely honest. But yeah, especially and, and a busy the, couple weeks. And the months yeah. coming to an end. The years coming to an end. December is uh, mm-hmm. notorious for being a slow month. You you say that, but all of a sudden, Eric and I are like busier than ever. We we have yeah. like another new client coming on board. Well. New slash old. We have a old client from years ago coming back to us saying they're ready to kick off their project again, which this one is a, a fun one. They they came to us with a word a WordPress multi-user site and they have an application built, they had someone building it, and we kept telling them the entire time, you're crowbarring your application into WordPress. WordPress is the wrong thing for this for what you're trying to do. But they didn't want to change and they paid us a lot of money to make it work. To crowbar, we got it. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm good. We at got, it, got it working. Yeah, like got up and running. It was able to charge people for their service, and then they shut it down. And here we are, at least two years later, right, Eric? If not three. I mean, and, it feels a solid two. I mean, the owner is the nicest guy ever. I, I've talked to him over the years personally, just kind of checking in with him and the fact that he came back and he's ready to start it up again shows he's passionate about the project. And he's, he's even saying, I remember you telling me from the very beginning that WordPress was the wrong thing. So let's do it right. Which is exciting. Now now we have, now we got to figure it out. Would you, would you ever turn down an idea that like a person was passionate about? You were just like, this is, this is bad. You can't, it's not going to work for you. I think we would talk to them. Like, I'm not going to turn it down if they're passionate about it. And we've done our due diligence and we said, like, if there's other options out there or if it just doesn't seem like it's going to make money, I would have an honest conversation. Like, I don't see, here's my concerns. I don't see this being profitable or, you know, I think it's a bad idea. I may have those honest conversations, but if they are, if they want it done anyway, okay. Like, why would I turn it down? Do you think that that's different than situations where you're like an employee or is it? Because I've had plenty of situations as an employee where I've I've had like, hey, here's the ticket, and then I said, hey, I need a I need a, I need a call with the boss because this is crazy, not going to work the way you think it's going to work. Like, I don't think it's any different. I I think it's it's the same thing. You're expressing your concerns about you don't think it's going to work, but at the end of the day, if your employer wants it done, you're going to do it, right? Yeah. To to me, our clients are our employers. We. That's how we make our living is through through clients. I'm not saying that I'm going to take on any job for, for money, but at the end of the day, if it's something we can build, even if we don't think it's going to be successful, as long as I didn't mislead the client, I didn't, yeah. oh, this is a great idea. Let's build it. <laughs> I've We've often said, well, what about this? What about that? And if you're, you're barking done, up the wrong tree, Jack. It's okay. You want to, you still want to give me money, even though I don't think it's going to work. All right. So I, I remember getting in a lot of trouble as a younger developer by voicing my opinion at an inopportune time. I mean, like, describe I, I describe I inopportune. That. I think all of us have, have worked on stuff where we said this is a stupid thing to work on. It depends on who you're saying it in front of, yes. <laughs> but and, I, when, I, and when you're saying it. Yeah, but I, I, I think I, I'm, when I was a younger developer, I would say, like, this is stupid. This isn't how things work. There's, there's a more elegant way to put it. <laughs> There a more PC way to say. It. I I have I have Web three on the uh, list of topics today. 
which is one of those things I would say, if somebody asked me to work on, I would say you're stupid. All right, let Eric talk. He's going to say something. Yeah, all I was going to say is, first thing, saying it's stupid is not very constructive. I mean, just to say the least. But there's also the the time, and we've had this happen, where somebody wants to just keep keep second-guessing you. And it's like, okay, we've moved past that. We've the time for Q&A is over. We've made a decision. We're going down this path. Stop slowing things down. And I, can, I, I, have, I have gone through that before. And I was definitely that junior developer who was like, I know we got past this, but I want to bring it back up again. Yeah, so <laughs> like, that's frustrating. <laughs> well, yes, it's, frust- it's, it's frustrating. But like as a developer, well, like one of the things I learned early was you're going to work on shit you do not want to work on. But one of the things I learned late was you have to not complain about that. <laughs> it's like I knew for a long time that I was going to work on stuff I didn't want to work on. I just didn't know when to shut up for a long time. I mean, yeah, there's there's one thing, you know, like getting getting your opinion, you know, kind of captured and on the record because, you know, when things do go sideways, somebody might remember, oh, yeah, that's right. Tom talked about that. But but there's, there's also... A, there's an episode number where he specifically talked about that. <laughs> but but also you, you need to try to be productive as well and, move, and, and help the team be productive. So. Yeah. I, I, had a, I had an interesting meeting today about along those lines that was discussing, well, hey, we, we're operating within the restrictions of the system that we've built, the monolith that we have now. And I said, well, you know, the status on this this thing is just an integer. We can make it anything we want to. We can invent a new status to represent a new thing. And my boss was like, that's a fantastic idea. Not everyone is technically proficient and knows that an integer can be just anything, can represent any value. If that's different. I mean, that doesn't apply to what we were talking about. Sometimes, sometimes, well... Sometimes it's different. Sometimes it's not. I, one, of the, one of the things I encounter a lot is people who, who can't tell the difference between a major feature and a minor tweak. You know, when they say like, well, let's, let's make this button do this one thing. And why not? Well, why is that expensive? It's just a button. Yeah. Non-technical folks don't know what goes behind making things work often. If you're listening to us and you want to join us in a conversation, join us on Discord because we get some fantastic questions in there. Discord.phpugly.com. Just get that in there. Sevi asks asks a great question. You guys ever have a client that you spend over a year working on something only to have them throw it all away and start totally a totally new project? Yes. How many times have we had that happen, Eric? Yeah. Two years. With the same client. They keep throwing us a project. And this is part of what I was talking about. We've had conversations with this client. Like, I don't see how this is going to work. I don't see I don't see the vision. But talking through it, they want to build. We build it for them. And it gets thrown away. And it's happened multiple times with them. And it's not because we're not producing. They're still happy with us. They still pay us every month. But they, they're trying things that aren't working. And it happens. It frustrates us because we want to see our the stuff we write go live we want to see it used so when it's not it's sad that's one of the the strange things about working for a startup is that there's the stakeholders and then there's like the stakeholders i've worked for a company where the you know the a round funding was passed everyone had the money and they didn't care about the b round or the c round funding so that like they could go down the totally wrong path and be bankrupt and destitute after year one. And then you get into like meetings where you're talking about the C round funding and 
now you have to identify, well, who's your, who's your stakeholder for this? That is someone going to be coming in that you've never met before. You've been here for a year or two. You've never met this person and they're going to flip the table. And it's very, uh, it's very eye opening. All right. I want to switch topics. I didn't know. topic. Yeah. Well, I'm done talking about that. I have a question for you, Tom. (laughs) Yeah. You have a project management system in place, right? Yes. Is it, is it scrum based? Do you do story point points? Yeah. How, what are your, how are you doing that? What are you using? So we're a Jira based operation. All the stuff we do is through Confluence, Jira, you know, all the uh, Atlassian tool sets. Mm-hmm. And I, we don't have a scrum master. That's fine. We don't have, we don't have a person who is a, an agile expert. And I was actually just talking about this today with some friends of mine, where if you looked at the style of our project management two months ago, three months ago, you wouldn't recognize what we're doing mm-hmm. now. Sign of progress, right? Absolutely. You introduced me to the idea of a cool down sprint and that's going to become one of the fundam- like one of the core concepts of how we do work after me being here for 6 months we have multiple teams we have three or four teams now and the cooldown sprint is going to be staggered between the teams to handle bugs and backlog items and spike tickets and so yeah we're we're agile but no one's read the book about agile development we're working on figuring it out for each other Clarification first, what is a spike ticket? Because I haven't heard that term. So a spike ticket is when you identify an issue in an epic that is of an unresolved size. You don't know what it's going to entail. You can't assign story points to it because there's just too much information that's in the unknown. So we have a request. Well, okay, an example you guys would, would recognize is event sourcing. If one of your clients comes to you and says, we want to implement event sourcing, you can't just jump into that and start making epics and story points for it. You have to understand what event sourcing represents as far as an epic and what the realistic expectations are for your story points on a per sprint basis. So we have two-week sprint, so there's certain things we can't accomplish in a sprint. We have to organize with the operations team. They have to get certain things done that we might not know what needs to get done or what services we're going to use. So a spike ticket for us says identify services, document functionality, and create a timeline of the epic that can be realistically addressed. Spike tickets are this like ultra flexible zero point story where you... What, pre- why would you... Why would you, why would you do it zero point versus it takes time and it takes time out of your sprint to to gather that information so shouldn't you put some number of points on that to to account for that time that you are spending I yes but the sales team does not work on story points because you can't necessarily define how big it's going to be from the <laughs> onset right I, so Story. So this is a meeting I just had today where like our spike tickets are too big. They're mm-hmm. taking up they're taking up the amount of time of eight story points when we're not having a conversation around how much time it should really take up. But a spike ticket isn't a measure of work. It's a measure of pending work. Right. And, but, and I, and I but don't research is work. Yes. So ask because one of the teams I work on 
is just now venturing down this road. So this week was a lot of meetings around starting to gather points. So we're coming up with our own scale. I mean, we're using the Fibonacci sequence, but we're coming up with our own points per task, trying to figure out, you know, it's going to be an experiment over the next few weeks to figure out what the velocity is and start to see where we fall in this realm. With that, Eric and I are now talking about bringing this into more of the degenerative projects, possibly. And going back to the first project, we are, when we do have one of these big tickets, we are saying we're going to assign X number of points to it just to discover, just to try and figure out what needs to be done so that a portion of every sprint could be, well, we need to figure out what we might do in a future sprint. And and I can't, I honestly can't tell you why we don't assign story points to our spike tickets. I can tell you that we had an hour long conversation today about what a spike ticket should entail and how they have messed with our sprints the last month and a half. Right. And they're messing with your sprints because you're not giving them points. They, it should be taken into account. If you're going to spend any time on it, it needs to be well, needs okay. to go in but there no, somehow. But, but that's the conversation. Is They're messing with our sprints because either they're scoped incorrectly or there's an amount of communication that we require between the product team and the development team that is not happening. So a lot of the spike tickets are new to us, to my team. We've only been doing it for three sprints now and it has not worked out well i've i've been reading a lot of work andrew well okay yeah his name's andrew fuck yeah just (laughs) just just saw that f-u-q-u-a i've been reading a lot of articles by andrew fuck yeah that are about spike tickets and how to calculate them and how to work them as a team. And one of the things that I think we we need to focus on with our spike tickets is that they are a team effort, which is one of the reasons why story points kind of don't work is because a story point is assigned to a single person. So if you accomplish five story points, they're your five story points. But in an in an environment where you have three architects, a spike ticket applies to all of them. You're working together to figure out the best solution to a problem. So I, I think that's a, a mistake in, and I'm, I again, I'm no, don't, I'm no scrum, I don't disagree. I, I don't disagree. I'm no, I'm no scrum master. I don't know enough about it due to the realm, but you're well, not I, measuring, I, you're not I, supposed I, to be measuring a, an individual's story points. Granted, you can use that as some indicator, but the story points are supposed to be a team effort. What can our team accomplish in this amount of time? Obviously, we're going to know, okay, Tom has done 50 of these 60 points, there's an issue, or Tom has done two of these 60 points, there's an issue. You either can be used to help know who's carrying their weight and who's not. I think it's important to say, like I said, we're working through this process as a team of figuring out what agile scrub methods work for us. And I think that the spike ticket methodology is not working out for us. So John in, in Discord is saying, if you have a spike ticket, would it make sense to create smaller tickets where each ticket's goal is to help add context to the spike ticket itself? Yeah, probably. That's probably a better way to do it. Uh, spike tickets came up because somebody said, hey, we, we could use spike tickets to resolve this. And then spike tickets started showing up in our sprints. And I don't think it's working out the way it is intended to work out. Create a, create a simple ticket to, to research. And sure. Give it, but give as it a points. team, as a team, it's important 
to try these kinds of management tech, these time management techniques and, and to circle around at the end of it and say, this technique just didn't work. And I think and that's for, part of, that's part us, of the retrospective, right? Where you talk about what worked, what didn't work. Right. So for our retrospectives, we have a quadrant of good, bad, start, stop. And bad spike tickets came up several times in the bad quadrant for this sprint retro that we just did a couple hours ago so we're we're trying to address how we can do this better what it was so all right now you bring that up what is start stop in that quadrant well for for me start is always the stuff that gets put off because we are doing we don't have a cooldown sprint the stuff that i want to do but don't have time for stop is very rarely populated but what is it supposed to be it's supposed to be stuff like spike tickets. Like, it, hey, this idea just didn't work <clears> out. <throat> gotcha. Now, so it's a consensus thing. If if you if you guys came to a consensus that spike tickets weren't working out, it would be a stop thing versus a bad thing. Well, so that's what I mean. Is that if yeah, if everyone was saying spike tickets were bad, then we would start talking about spike tickets in stop. We we go A B C D. We go good bad start stop. And if we're getting to the end of the retrospective and everyone has said spike ticket bad, then someone says spike ticket stop. <laughs> and we would discuss that as we have a lot of meetings, a lot of meetings. And that, one of our can, one of our stops, right? well, one of our stops today was stop having so many meetings because yeah, everyone sure. said, everyone said, you know, good collaboration, bad meetings. We've got six people saying bad meetings. Okay, we need to say stop meetings. You can't actually stop meetings, but how can you figure out a solution you to can have, you can have fewer meetings. How do you do that? Yeah. And so, so we spend a lot of we spend a half hour on how do we as individuals take our meetings count down you know combine our conversations so that a meeting for one issue can also be a meeting for another issue instead of having five meetings that need a wind up and wind down time right story points do you do you play poker planning or planning pokers whatever it is sprint poker no how do you come up with your points then so we have two meetings about the upcoming sprint we have the let me get the right word here we have the backlog grooming session where we look at what's coming up in the sprint and we discuss whether or not it's a larger issue than someone thinks or a smaller issue or it doesn't belong in the sprint and that's when we do a lot of the work and again this is new to us we we started doing backlog grooming two sprints ago but everyone gets together and says says this thing is easy this thing is hard and then we have our sprint planning session the next day where everyone says that's the thing i'm working on that's the thing I'm I I have PTO out of town. I can't work on anything. And that's the thing that someone else should work on because I am the expert in that area and I want everyone else to understand how that area works. Okay, but how do you come up with the how many points a ticket is worth? We all do it at once. Someone says, we say, hey, this thing looks easy. We give a, a rough overview of how we would implement it. And then someone says, I'll take it. And then we ask that person how many points it is. They say it's X points. And the team says, I agree or I disagree. Have you tried planning poker? Not yet. So I did it for the first time this week. And it's it's interesting. And so far, I mean, it, you're a poker again, nerd. But it's not. It's, it's I know. I poker know. Is, is dumb. But 
It's interesting. So Charlton asked, when you're when you're doing planning poker, how high of a score dictates breaking up a ticket into smaller teams? Curious what folks here tolerate for a single feature branch effort. So for again, we don't know our scale. There's we're using the Fibonacci one, two, three, five, <clears throat> eight, thirteen scale. So we're using and, that too. And we have two week sprints. And if someone says thirteen <clears throat> Sorry. If someone says 13 or 8, we start talking about breaking it up into smaller tickets. Right. That's what I was going to say. That's where our cutoff is too. So, but we're still in that discovery of what really is a 5 or an 8. Now, we did <clears throat> prior to these meetings. That's interesting. Take we we don't have normal user stories. We don't have as a user I want this. We have from product I want this feature. So prior to our planning, developers got together knowing what was expected in the project and broke it out into what we thought dev deliverables were. So by default, they should have already been smaller tickets. And I think on average, we were in that two to three range as a group, but it was still fascinating getting a group of people in and actually using some sort of poker website where we all, I mean, we did it holding up fingers too. Somebody saying one, two, three, and everyone hold up how many fingers they thought sure how many points they thought it was and to be to have good consensus is is great and then when you have the outliers if most people said three and you have one person saying one and one person saying eight it drives great conversation around well why why do you think it's so easy or why do you think it's so hard it was it was good my my biggest problem is one point and two point tickets why because <clears throat> to me, one point is like a spell check error on an email. You don't write a test for it. You just fix the spell check. It's like 30 seconds. And two points is like an hour and a half. And then like oh, three. Really? <clears throat> right. Well, so like, your, your, your sizing is different then. Well, just because for me, two points is like, hey, I need you to add a new field to a quest object. Like, sure. But that's 18 tests I have to modify to to check for that and then three points is like three points is like four hours well then your t- your timing is way different than ours way, well, way different and the work we're doing is way different we <clears throat> we're we're working on financial tech stuff where you know adding social security numbers to something means a barrage of tests for security and encryption Char- charlton brought up that half points are a real thing and while i agree in the end it doesn't matter every team the scale is a little bit different and you come up with that scale as a team and it's all relative so you come up with these are examples of my one points, and here's an example of a three point, maybe an example of a five point, and then everything is relative to those. So I could have a scale of, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, or the Fibonacci, which makes it a little more spaced out. Throwing the half point in there doesn't really offer a whole lot. It just changes the scale that you're working at. So I, I don't know that the Fibonacci stuff has helped us at all because we, we've completely lost the idea of a six point ticket. But there, there shouldn't necessarily be that. It's either more effort than a five or less effort than an eight. And it again, it's all relative. You know, it's not relative. <laughs> supposed to say what? What? Honey Badger transforms you into a DevOps hero by combining error, uptime, and cron monitoring into a single easy-to-use platform. Stop wasting your time tailing logs and deploy with swagger. Visit HoneyBadger.io today to level up. Thank Thanks, you, Honey Badger. Badger. Eric, you've been awfully quiet. Jump in here and say something. Livewire, the colon Q. What? No, I've been listening. 
<laughs> the riveting, exciting Riv- riveting management so, talk. So it was exciting to me in the sense that we've been talking about implementing something similar for our team and just wanting more information. I didn't mean to drone on about it as long as we did. I thought there I was felt like you didn't need to drone on. <laughs> it is it is a lot of the work that I do nowadays is is this sort of time management scrum points epics thing. Oh, we're back on we're back on that topic. Okay, hold on, what is it? Oh, there you go. He can mute himself. It's it's a lot of the work I've been doing. I mean, I hate to say that. Eric, come back. Let's yes. talk about PHP. Let's talk about PHP Architect. <laughs> Let's talk about PHP Architect. Did you see what I posted in uh, Discord earlier? No. no. What did you post post in Discord earlier? So I went back and listened to the last show of. 2020 and just see what we talked about and we were we were going on and on about what a fantastic magazine php architect is and you know how everybody should be subscribing to php architect and for the record that all still stands <laughs> <laughs> even it, when it we didn't even when it wasn't ours we were still pimping it huh? we, we were loving yeah we were loving the php we also apparently we also launched Argus a year ago. That same that same show we talked about a soft launch of Argus. Argus.to. Yeah. .to. Yeah. Which we really need to give give that some love. We've had a, a developer working on it. I need to I need to go through, do a little code review on the stuff that they submitted and push out some updates to Argus. But yeah. We did a lot over the last year, John. There's just been a ton of stuff. <laughs> definitely but we got the so we did over the break not over the break but we didn't record last week we got december issue of the magazine out the art we did yeah. data no so that's where oh, i'm that just was reading, a mistake. i'm just reading what's behind you yeah i don't have the new one yet that, that's the <laughs> month before so we didn't talk about it two weeks ago right eric the magazine i don't think i don't think we I mean, did no. we probably we probably talked about the magazine in general but not we we changed the cover this month and i'm really excited about it and would love feedback people's thoughts of it where we kind of took the the header of the magazine and kind of went old school with it looking back at previous like the way that magazine used to look back in 2008 and then we also changed we took off all of the like on our current or the previous issue where we have like all of the articles listed and everything we're like we don't need that we don't have this magazine isn't sitting on bookshelves or on store shelves at checkout counters where We're not you need to grab, where you need to grab people's attention. So we don't need that. Plus, the the feature article was the the Zen of mindful programming. So we made it very zenful. We we cleared the the cover, made it very peaceful, giving us space to breathe. Very so anyway, clean. There, yeah. So, so there was there was a lot that went into the cover. Eric and I took a lot of time to think about it. It wasn't laziness of let's just get rid of everything. Other than well, that that's the story we decided with. Okay, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how it started. <laughs> I have yeah. to be honest. Yes, I shouldn't be, but I am surprised how much time the magazine takes out of out from us. Yeah. I mean, and Oscar was doing this by himself, basically. Right. You know, putting all this stuff together. It's it's really taking. I mean, I assume we'll get better with over time but no, it's, a, it's, just just I, reading all the articles that's a safe assumption yeah we'll get better at it but it's still like you said there's so much work to be done it's, it's a lot yeah is it problematic it's, it's problematic no, in it's probably 
Yes, it's problematic no. in the fact that we we have to work on other client work to make money. It's not problematic in the sense that we don't enjoy doing it. Like if I think I can't speak for John, but I know for myself, if I had my option, PHP Architect would all would be all I'm doing right now. Like I wouldn't even mm-hmm. try to do client work. That that's the problematic piece is that it, it's not it's not making enough money for that to be our only focus. For for me. The stressful part is waiting on people to give us content, right? We we don't we don't have a staff of writers that we're paying to. I mean, people pay are pay people are paid to write for the art for the magazine, but they don't work for us, so we can't say you you have to get this to us now, and your deadline is Friday or else, right? There's none of that. So it's people in the community submitting to us, which is fantastic, and we're doing a good job of working, especially with our columnists. They do a great job, but just staying on top of the feature articles and all that, just trying to make sure we have articles to put in the magazine. You should hit up Andrew Garfield because that guy cannot fucking stop writing. <laughs> I think he's written in the past, but yeah, I do need to no, hit him he, up. No, like, Advent of Code this this month and wrote twenty something articles on his on his blog. Well, what's up, man? You see, that could be money in his pocket. He's just he's yeah. just giving it away for free. Free, dumb bastard. we'll work for content love it speaking of our discord channel what's our discord we've talked about the discord channel how about we talk about our patreon oh my god beautiful! what that's gorgeous i I don't say i have to i have to to go for what i have to go for one go (laughs) oh my goodness oh but we're not on the screen anymore he he left us we're not not on the screen (laughs) we're just we're just showing our patreons well Let's take a moment and thank our Patreons for a fantastic 2021. We're looking yes. forward to 2022. I, yes, thank I, you. I know I've said this in the past, and it still kind of boggles my mind. The whole Patreon thing kind of started off as a joke, and, you know, I don't know. It just really became a core piece of our of the show, and we appreciate it. It's allowed us to kind of level up the show. So thank you so much for the support. Definitely. We're, we're hoping. Looking forward to looking forward to 2022 and continuing to grow, make changes, share stories. Yeah. It's going to be good. Too. Hopefully all of them won't be about project management, but hey, who knows? I don't know. I thought it was fascinating. I, I know it kind no, of went a little, a little long, but. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm absolutely fine with it. You know, I think I'm looking forward to it. No, I was going to wrap up the show at this point. I was going to say that's, that's pretty much not, it for 2021. We're, we're, we're only 15 minutes in. What are you talking about? That's plenty I'm, of time. I, wait, 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 wait. I'm excited about what's coming up in PHP Architect Magazine over the next few months. Oh, are we spoiling stuff? Willing to spoil. Are you spoiling. willing to spoil? I'm, oh, you uh, know me. I no, Eric, Eric, likes to take, Eric likes to take an idea and stretch it out for four or five months. So let's just spoil so, it now and get it done. Well, no, there's, this, there's a series that we're starting in January that excited about and it's how to hack your home with a raspberry pi and i know eric's been a huge raspberry pi fan for years i've had a single one that i've used in my 3d printer and that's about it i want to know more about them and use them more i just don't ever take the time to sit down and do anything with them so reading the first article i was like okay like maybe i'll do some more it's like wanting to find reasons to use them. I have to admit, that's probably the best part of this job. The 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 running of PHP Architect is we get to read all the articles <laughs> before they're published. <laughs> and, then, and then I have to remind myself not to talk about them because like, oh yeah, shit. 
yeah, we haven't published that one yet. We can't talk about it. <laughs> we can tease about it though, because this one's going to be at least a four parter, maybe more. So it's it's going to be not that it's not that we're dragging it out. There's just a lot of content to share. So it's really starting at the beginning and then building up. At least that's what I hope is going to happen since I've only seen the first part. <laughs> well, and, and hopefully the the PHP transition to CMake doesn't cause problems. Internals has been interesting. Why is that? What's been going on? Do tell. There's been very little going on, but there's been a lot of discussion about the future. And one of the things they've been discussing is CMake and the current build pipelines for PHP. One of the other things is array auto numeration or how elements are added to arrays and stripping strings into numbers. And there's been some some weird stuff. PHP 9, which we're way away, way far away from, looks like it might be very controversial. In what way? What, as far as like changes well, being I mean, made to the on. language itself? Let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We don't know who the release manager is going to be yet. I mean, I can throw out a guess as to who it's not going to be. <laughs> Somebody who is angry at the community and never doing it again. And apparently it's very small and big couches. What's up? <laughs> Joe's already opted no. out. Joe Joe Ferguson what says he's yeah. not going to be a release manager, so the what's window's the, wide open the... for anyone other than Eric. Controversy, though. You're going somewhere with this, Tom. Well, there's a core functionality of how PHP interprets array keys, which is the way it's always done it, where if you pass a an integer in quotes, it will try to parse it as an integer without quotes and reassign the array to a mixed index array. It's intricacy, but it would break a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of conversations about how that works. The, the build pipeline is currently under discussion in internals. I don't know what the name of the build pipeline is right now, but they're talking about moving to CMake. Is that is that really going to affect everyday PHP developers, though? It won't, but it will affect PHP developers who build their own versions. It, it will affect PHP on Raspberry Pi and our you know other ARM systems. Hmm. It's it's a couple weeks ago. PHP internals was really focused on what a deprecation means like how important it is that we deprecate something before we remove it and how many versions that should be. And like all that conversation died. And now internals is talking about very specific functionality of how the system is built and what the system is built for. So it's, it's very interesting watching internals do this focus change from feature release back into long-term support. Hmm. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about you guys buying NFTs. Have you guys bought any no high-value NFTs and become instant millionaires? I haven't bought any high-value, low-value, or any-value NFTs. Well, which actually most NFTs are. Yeah, they're 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 zero. There's no value. They're. I believe not, I made not, my stand not, on the NFT. Not gambling on it. Very early on. NFTs are really stupid, in my opinion. Oh, they have, so your opinions change. They have a no. They have a place. They have a place, but they have been made very stupid. The there's aren't there games coming out now where you, that's nope. how you're going to buy your what? No, that no. They said they said they were going to do that, and then the community revolted immediately and said, "The fuck you are!" And everyone who was doing that 
took it back and said, well, uh, we're not doing that. Uh, releasing releasing in-game items as NFTs. So you prove which, you have ownership of it so that... Which they already it, were. I- they were already NFTs. They just only had one origin of authority. The whole thing is stupid. I agree. I was going to say the same thing. But... I kind of want to buy an Olive Garden. Oh, what? An Olive Explain Garden. what is like the restaurant on Olive Garden. Yeah. So, oh, man, six six hours ago, I double checked on this, and and the page was still valid. But now it's saying it's four oh four. Somebody took a picture of of a bunch of Olive Gardens and then sold those Olive Gardens as NFTs and said, "Hey, this Olive Garden can be." your olive garden where the breadsticks are unlimited and the salad is microwaved huh what olive garden have you been going the one right next to me. <laughs> oh my god why do we keep doing this I keep asking myself non, that non-fungible olive gardens was the best implementation of nfts and now it's a 404 which really upsets me. I literally early I checked earlier today to make sure it was still working. But open how much was the Olive Garden go, going for? Like a hundred k. Damn people! Exactly the whole the whole thing was so stupid that someone said, "I'm going to take pictures of Olive Gardens and sell them on the NFT marketplace." And the dude is a millionaire now. And it's super embarrassing because, man, I live next to an olive garden. I could have been a millionaire. The whole NFT thing is, it's its such the Beethoven was brilliant composer at 12 years old. We're like, yeah, any anyone can make it at any age as long as their idea is slightly original. Weren't you all for NFTs, though, when you first started talking about I'm them? still for NFTs, but this is not what NFTs are. NFTs are not are not randomly generated <laughs> love- monkeys for a hundred and a half million dollars. I love the drunk Thomas. It's like, weren't you for it? I'm still my NFT. Hey, hey, hey. stupid. I hate him, hey. but I'm totally for him. No, a million dollars for a stupid picture of a monkey is stupid, no matter what blockchain or technology they're on. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there who are really, really stupid, and they're spending a huge amount of money on this stuff, or they're really smart, and they're convincing other people to spend their money on this stuff either way. But that's not NFTs are. NFTs are are non-fungible tokens. That, that This is still a thing that has a valid place in the world. It's not invalid just because people are stupid and they're blowing it out of proportion. And the non-fungible Olive Gardens was the perfect example of that. That somebody was just taking pictures. There, there's, there was a guy who had a deviant art count that had to take it down because people were just taking J- his jpegs and selling them on nft markets like it's yes the current situation is really really stupid but it has a place in in the future economy of things i'm just gonna take a bunch of pictures of me and sell them oh, fuck you, you that. Prob- I already did that you'd probably wasn't, wasn't make much of a market you would probably make a couple thousand dollars that's no, a terrifying thing Take off my hand. But this ties into <clears throat> Web three. I saw you mentioned wow, this you earlier in Discord. That, huh? <laughs> Holy crap! I tried That's to it. stop him earlier. I'm not going to stop him again. We're late enough in the show. Talk about Web three today. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. So, so you yeah. audio listeners, you benefit from the truncate silence. 
filter in this situation, trust me. That sounded like John was very rude in saying that, but trust me, if you no. watch the show live, there was a very long pause there. <laughs> I don't want to get into Web3 today, but I want people to tell me why this is not the dumbest concept in the world, and then I want to talk about it next week. Because the whole idea of Web3 is distributed like ledger based websites all right i will do some reading on it and we'll talk next week so i don't know anything about it yeah the the idea is that like we, we don't we don't want the big we don't want the big we don't want another year yeah next week is another year we don't want we the big tech today. guys we don't want the big tech guys to own all the websites we want independent websites the first company that got on board with Web3 was Facebook, and everyone was like, hooray, that's great. And we're like, no, they own it, then fucking idiots. It's just hosted by Facebook instead of Google or Facebook instead of whatever. Web3, to me, sounds like the dumbest concept in the world, and someone out there has to explain to me why it's not the dumbest concept in the world. So please, on Discord, message me and tell me why it's not the dumbest thing in the world, because I want to talk about it next week. But what I have to talk about this week is Laravel 8.77. This week's, this two weeks release of Laravel, there's no release this week. This was last week's release. And this week introduced... (laughs) You do understand you're pausing very long. (laughs) I don't know how much you smoke today, but your pauses are very long. That is none of your fucking business. Here, let me zoom in on myself. There we go. This week, Laravel introduced the attribute casting to attributes. So previously in Laravel, if you had a model that you wanted to have an attribute on, you had to say set blank attribute and then the value. Now it removes the magic around the fetching of that method. The method returns the attribute object and i think this is the coolest thing that laravel's done in a long time is get every every time laravel gets rid of the magic stuff it makes me happy it like this is such a cool improvement it's not just some dumb commit to add a new rule to validation it's an actual cool thing that's literally all i had to say about that i i keep forgetting that when we get to the end of the episode eric just wants it to be over and john's already fallen asleep and no one I'm wants to sleep. talk about. I, I don't. I don't understand what it's doing. So, and I'm not a Laravel person anyway. So, every time Laravel this. moves away from I, magic, I, I, I am. I am super happy about it. I have honestly been almost completely unplugged this this last week with with movement. So I I totally totally miss. I saw some tweets going on about it, and I keep meaning to go back and look at it, and I haven't haven't looked at it. I'm sorry, Thomas. I'll, I'll do better next year. Oh, you no. To myself. You're right. I won't. I keep All forgetting. Right, I keep forgetting that that John does not do the Laravel stuff, and that Eric hates I, me. I, I I do the bare minimum to what? make my app work. I, I love you. I don't live and breathe breathe it. You're like that special cousin I have. You okay, can't move we, very fast around them. We only did that <laughs> once. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, that's it. I think we're done this year. This is it? This really sums up the year for me. I want to be done. Can we be done? We're done. We're done. Thank you for episode listening. Episode 267. I got to stop ending episodes like this where like I'm like, hey, here's this thing I've been thinking about for a week. By the way. And then no one on. says fucking anything. And I'm like, we and Eric's of, like, well, we I guess of, that's the end of the show. We kind of blew over an important part of the show. Honey Badger has, was our sponsor. So you might not have caught that. 
By the way, we just slipped into a commercial, so thanks, Honey Badger, and moved on. Honey Badger transforms you into a DevOps hero by combining error, uptime, and cron monitoring into a single easy-to-use platform. Stop wasting your time tailing logs and deploy with swagger. Visit HoneyBadger.io today to level up. Made me feel bad about Honey Badger, so I played it twice. <laughs> well, they deserve to be played twice. They've been our sponsor for a very long time, and we are very appreciative of their support. So thank you, Honey Badger, for sponsoring the PHP Ugly podcast. I want to say all of 2021. Like, I feel like it's been the entire year, but I might be wrong there. I would have to go back and check. But thank That's, you, Honey Badger. Yeah, the, the were fact you, that we're at the going? end of 2021 doesn't feel right on its own. Right. But Eric, were you going somewhere with that? Specifically, I know Tom cut you off as you were trying to talk about how we <laughs> blew over him earlier. No, just that. Just thanks for, for the support for such a long time. And I wanted to make sure everybody understood that, you know, Honey Badger has been our sponsor for a while. And apparently, thanks to our Patreon. Again, <laughs> our patrons, <laughs> patrons on Patreon. Because at this point, Tom was just clicking buttons. Man, I I tried to start <laughs> like, the podcast like the early. Monkey at the keyboard. <laughs> also, monkey at the keyboard, highly valuable NFT. <laughs> All right, that's How do you it. get Episode any work? Two hundred sixty-seven is in the book. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep, Keep it, it ugly. One, two, one, two. Uh, coming off the top. Y'all know how we do. Listen, I'm going to drop a freestyle you can cherish. I'm going to send a shout out to the host named Eric. Yo, he's never on some average shit. You know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate. I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song. Yo, shout the host name Thomas because he's never wrong. Yo, shout to John. You know that he's smart and quiet. Unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot. I'm about to do it like this because the people love me shouts out to php the ugly it's called ugly because it's not professional but i'm about to come through and bless it with style so let's do it when i'm spitting i perfume the room yo the segment of the show is called doom and gloom that came from thomas yeah can nobody go beyond this i get the mic and then i'm about to keep it like a promise yeah and y'all know we fill them up with anguish we talking about the php the programming language about to break it down no exaggeration what do y'all do for a living web application Okay, I can dig it. My words spray tight. Uh, they're getting together on the Thursday nights. Yeah, when it comes to rhyming, you can call me the new dude. I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube. So let's get it. You know my lyrics are major. All up in the comments, they got plenty of haters, but they doing what they doing. Keep it ugly. We ending every show with the saying it's lovely. Let's go. Yeah, come on.